everybody. My name is Austin Moyers, and I like pumpkin bread and pumpkin candles and pumpkin patches. My name is Michael Pugh, and I like old libraries, bootleg musicals, and Nintendo Core. And, and this is Chronically, chronically Fixated. fixated. Uh, and this week is the drug cast, because <laughs> as I've mentioned before, I have been dealing with some medical issues, and thankfully, they should be resolved in just a little bit. Um, but until then, I am on some medication that makes my brain feel just a little bit foggy. So I should be okay, but I might sound quieter than usual, and I may stumble over my words a bit. But it's fine, because... We're not professionals. <laughs> so yeah, welcome welcome to the drug cast. The other day I texted Michael and he said he he felt like pudding. Yeah, my brain and my brain was pudding. I was like, Are are you okay? And he said, Well, being pudding is all right. It is. <laughs> I thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> um so I have a couple updates before we actually jump into our topics this week, if you'd like to hear Michael. Yeah. So the first update um, is on our recurring segment. Maybe it's called Pick Watch. I think we gave it a name. I don't know. It's concerning my very expensive guitar pick that I bought a while back. Oh, yes. I know so, exactly what you're talking about. Um, I guess at the beginning of last week, I misplaced my pick. Um, oh, oh, no. Which was very tragic. And I was looking for it all week and I couldn't find it. Um. So I had to use, you know, regular picks like everyone else all week long, which was Ew. sad. Right? Um, but then I did finally find it. Um, or rather, my my wife found it as she was pulling some clothes out of the dryer. It fell to the ground and she was like, Austin, is this your expensive pick? Um, and I was like, mm, why, yes, yes, it is. And so I, I was excited because I was like, yeah, we found it. And I went to play with it, and it snapped right in half. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, um, no. So I'm guessing it, you know, um, it didn't take too well to, to the washer and dryer, um, which is understandable. I also wouldn't take too well to those environments. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. It lived a good life. I used it a lot. I used it pretty much every day since I bought it and had a lot of fun. Um, but... It's gone now, so I guess I'm going to try a new pick. Uh, so keep a lookout. I might. It's an excuse to buy another fancy one. So. Yeah, I guess um, nothing beautiful lasts forever. I'm sorry to hear about your pick. I was really invested in its continued existence. Well, I appreciate your condolences, um, <laughs> and I am also sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you already um, looking for other picks or do you need time to mourn before you move on? Uh, you know, I don't know what this says about me, but I, I, I'm, I'm feeling okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I have, I have been looking a little bit. Um, I'm probably, probably going to order a cheaper one this, this next time um, mm. to kind of compare the experience, but we'll see. Um, a second update of a topic from a previous episode uh, that might be 
interesting to hear about is that this past week, the Hyundai Mercury Prize took place. Um, and if you have been listening to the podcast, um, listener, you will remember this competition as the one in which Black Midi uh, put on an outstanding performance and and one of them did a backflip and gave himself a concussion. Um, so... For more that information, happened. see our episode titled "A Self-Inflicted Concussion," sponsored by Hyundai. An excellent <laughs> name. Um, so that happened in 2019. They didn't have one in 2020, and I don't know. I I felt like it's, so. It, it wasn't just Black Midi that was going wild in 2019. It was kind of like everyone was being real crazy on stage. So I was concerned that it wouldn't ever happen again, but it did. Um, and while Black Midi did not make a return performance, which may not come as a surprise, they were mentioned by another band. Um, so in, uh, Black Country New Roads performance, one of the lyrics in the song that they sang was, uh, I told you I loved you in front of Black Midi. Um, which was kind of funny because there were like two people in the crowd that were like, whoop, when I said that. <laughs> That's a strange place to confess your love, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say I, I've only... Yeah, I finished. So I watched all the performances, and it was more tame than 2019 for sure. Um, there were a couple weirdos, but all in all, it was very uh, pleasant. Um, you can go on BBC Music's YouTube channel and watch all of the performances from this year if you'd like to. I think in total it runs about 30 minutes. Uh, maybe a little bit more because they kind of keep them to a three minute time limit for their songs. And I think there were 10 artists. So, um, so that's cool. A nice, nice fun event, um, with some up and coming artists. So go check that out if you want to. I just might. <laughs> that, um, that concludes my updates from previous episodes segment. All right. I don't have any updates from previous episodes. I don't think. That's so, fine. Once again, um, Austin with all the news. <laughs> <laughs> Your number one source for things that you don't necessarily need to know. Um, Michael, I was wondering if you had something you wanted to talk to me about. Yeah. Have you heard of anime? Anime? Is that like is that like um the cartoons? That's the Japanese cartoons. Um I thought we should talk about anime at some point on this podcast because it's kind of taking over by, you know, it's kind of taking uh, taking over the culture by storm, like, way more than I ever thought it would. Yeah. It definitely is more relevant and, than it has been in the past, I feel like. I mean, I realized things were getting crazy when, like, Giorno's theme... Mm. from the latest season of jojo's bizarre adventure became like a meme on tiktok it was just everywhere People were making tiktoks with like giorno's theme on it um but before we get into that i thought we could talk about our relationship i should say with anime and um you know what, even before that, I think I should say a little bit about anime as a medium. I'm by no means an expert, but I do know a little bit about kind of what anime 
is compared to what we might think about as animation in the West. Yes, I, I'd be interested to hear this because I had a, a extended conversation with a coworker a couple of days ago um, because he said his favorite anime was Avatar The Last Airbender and I told him that wasn't an anime and he wanted to fight and I was trying to be like, it's not, it's a Western <laughs> cartoon. That's not, anime is like, a, like an industry, I guess, and that's not part of it and so mm-hmm. it's not an anime, but he was like, but it is. And I couldn't really, you know, explain it beyond that. So I think that there is some confusion. I think that you described anime as an industry. And I actually think that's a much better descriptor than saying it's like an art style. Mm. Because I think understanding anime as a particular art style, what people think of when they say that is like a very shallow understanding yeah of what anime is so like animation is not exclusive obviously to western cultures basically any culture that has a thriving artistic you know community Mm -hmm. and sufficient technological advancement starts to develop animation and i think the biggest difference between anime and American animation is that American animation largely due in part to the rise of the Disney corporation is mostly associated with children. Mm. That's, that's started to change a little bit actually in recent years, there have been a lot of cartoons that have been aimed at older audiences but still kids, like, you know, teenagers. Like, I think of regular show, Adventure Time, right. Gravity Falls kind of fits in there. And, you know, tells stories that are kind of kind of aimed more towards, like, the teenage experience versus, like, the childhood experience. Right. And other than that, like, you get either animation for children or you get, like, irreverent yeah, like adult Archer. comedies type stuff yeah like family guy and things like that occasionally you'll get something different you know i think of the recent series by gennady uh tartakovsky who was like the creators of uh dexter's lab and things like that he did a series recently called primal which was just like a mostly silent anime or anime it's mostly silent cartoon series that just followed like a neanderthal caveman and his dinosaur companion like trying to survive um and it was like super dark and like violent and like (laughs) it's like really interesting uh so sometimes you get outliers but for the most part that's it and like the adult comedy cartoon i feel like still only exists because of the basic premise of like cartoons but but those are for kids (laughs) you know and so you have to make it really you know raunchy or violent or something to distinguish it yeah pretty much and it's not to say that like i think all of those shows are bad um or don't have their own like merits but that's pretty much like the state of animation in the west with a little bit of stuff breaking through. And then you have things like, 
you know, short films that might be different. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, of course, like, what we see in movie theaters for animation is pretty much exclusively aimed at younger audiences. Um, Because it's either Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, or Illumination Entertainment. And most of what they do, you know, can appeal to all ages but is definitely aimed at younger audiences for sure and in japan that understanding of animation as being for kids exclusively like just never happened they just never saw that because they never had one single animation company or studio become as monolithic as disney right so they never had any one person really kind of dictating the the standard for what animation is used for. So I know I've I've been the person on the side where I didn't want to watch anime at all and I thought it all looked silly and dumb and that's because I had a shallow understanding of it as well because I've heard people say like oh I don't want to watch anime or I don't like anime. And I think, like you said, that'd be like saying, I don't want to watch any American sitcoms. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of a weirdly simultaneously broad and specific thing right. that you don't want to watch. It's like, there are so many different sitcoms with so many different styles, and so many different themes and like, have been around for decades and have different styles of humor and writing. It's kind of weird to say that you don't like any of them or you won't watch any of them, (laughs) you know? Um, So actually I think I, I hadn't put it this way before, but you describing anime as more of an industry. I think, I I think it's better to think of it as a catch all term for just the Japanese animation industry. Yeah. And I think my earliest exposure to anime, although I didn't know it was anime, was things that were aimed at a younger audience. So I think of the Pokemon series. Mm -hmm. I think of the Yu-Gi-Oh series. And I think of Dragon Ball, which in Japan is not aimed at a younger audience. But in the West, when it was syndicated by um by like saturday morning cartoon blocks they often uh censored things to be more kid friendly so they would edit animation cells so instead of like goku and vegeta having blood on them after a fight they would have like sweat drops and things like that and dirt and stuff yeah yeah um and (laughs) we could probably have a whole episode about the western anime dubs for kids and some of the ridiculous nonsense. The most famous one was probably that clip of Brock from Pokemon. He's eating onigiri, which is like a rice ball. Mm -hmm. And for some reason they thought that like American kids would be so upset if he was eating a strange foreign food. So he's eating this rice ball and it clearly looks like a rice ball, but they had the, English voice actors say like 
mm, this is a great jelly donut. Like, <laughs> and like, there's all kinds of things like that. I heard a lot uh, of stuff probably, about Brock, about the producers not wanting anyone to think that he was Asian in America for some reason. And that's like eventually why he left the series. But then they brought him back because everyone was mad. Yeah, it's quite strange. But that's, probably the yeah, we don't need to get the most sidetracked on that necessarily. But go on. The, the most the most infamous dub was probably the uh, four kids dub of One Piece. Um, and all the things they changed there because that is a show about pirates <laughs> and it's really hard to make a show about pirates for kids and they like replaced all the rifles and guns that people had with like water pistols and like <laughs> all kinds wow. of stuff that didn't really make sense um but anyway like that was probably my earliest exposure and i didn't know what i was watching was anime right like I didn't know that these were Japanese cartoons because I was I was super young, and there was nothing to like immediately tip me off to that. Like Pokemon, it doesn't really nothing in it explicitly states like this is Japanese. Yu-Gi-Oh pulls from all kinds of like pseudo Egyptian mythology, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> and. You know, Dragon Ball. I think probably the only explicit thing I could think of was like on the back of Goku's gi, like his his martial arts robe. Like there is a Japanese character, yeah. but I just I didn't understand that that was Japanese. I just thought that was like a cool symbol for his dojo. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I guess little kid brain me didn't even register that the word dojo was like not English. Right. Yeah. Um. So I remember like as I got older and. Probably by the time I hit like late elementary school, the new big thing was Naruto. Mm -hmm. Like that was what, and I remember I saw Naruto and like its animation style, and I was just like, they just ripped off Dragon Ball. Like, <laughs> how are they gonna do I that? Didn't I didn't understand. Yeah, I didn't understand that this was like a whole thing. So like, I completely avoided it. And as I got older. You know, there were uh, kids in school that would read manga, um, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's, you know, the closest analogy is it is it's the Japanese equivalent to like graphic novels, comic books. Um, there were some kids who read manga and there were other kids who were still watching anime. And I just didn't really take anime very seriously because... I didn't really understand Japanese sense of humor in particular um, in Japanese comedy and thought it was just like really cringy and awkward and was like, no, I'm into comic books, you know, mm -hmm. get this manga out of here. Yeah. And I didn't understand that. I didn't understand yet that anime was an industry and really only saw it as a style of animation and storytelling so like there were the kids who were into naruto and let's be honest if your school had an anime club the kids in the anime club were kind of weird yeah. <laughs> even for me and um that kind of turned me off to it as well because the kids who were into me were were into anime were like they boy were they into it and very friendly very friendly, probably a little bit too friendly <laughs> in some respects. 
And I did, in fact, have a kid in my high school who would Naruto run with his arms dragging behind his back to every class. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so I was just like, this is not something that I think I want to be a part of. (laughs) But then I started taking art classes in high school and hanging out with the kids in those classes and these really talented artists who never even drew like anime style, they were all into anime and they were not Naruto running to all of their classes Mm. or tackling me and saying, Ooh, it's so nice to see you. Or that one time a girl in the anime club bit me on the neck uh what <laughs> yeah um while i was in an elevator she's flipping bit me it's just like what nom oh my <laughs> thinking it would be i guess cute or something but i was terrified um <laughs> <laughs> literally like i barely knew this girl and like part of like 15 year old me was just checking the mirror like Am I going to be a vampire? Like, what is what's going <laughs> what on? Uh, yeah, am I going to get some sort of strange disease now? Because uh, I've never been bit by a human before. <laughs> uh, and, but these art kids, I mean, I was like, well, they seem not crazy. No one here has bit me, and <laughs> they're speaking really highly of these different shows, and they kind of when I brought up, Oh, here's why I don't watch anime. They did a lot to challenge some of those misconceptions I had and just kind of encouraged me to check out some stuff. And so I think kind of like the gateway show for me that made me realize that anime was multiple styles and could tell a lot of different stories was probably the adaptation of death note. Hmm. And for those of you who don't know, Death Note is about a high school student who finds a notebook called a Death Note, which is a notebook that is used by uh, Shinigami, which are basically like Japanese Grim Reapers to kill people. And if you write someone's name in the in the notebook and you think of their face while you're writing their name, they will die of a heart attack or however you specify that they're going to die. And this high school student decides that he is going to use the death note to purge the world of all crime and become God. (laughs) (laughs) And it was super, super interesting to me because, um, there's another character who goes by like a moniker of just L who is a like world-class detective who's brought in to hunt down like whoever it is that's responsible for these killings in Japan and around the world of these criminals. And the, the mind games that played out like between these two, like light, the main character trying to figure out, okay, his house is under surveillance because everyone in the police force, their house is under surveillance. How can he, continue to write names in the death note, like without being seen by these cameras and 
you know, there's an elaborate there. One of the best episodes is light walking with this woman who may be able to give the police information that would lead to his arrest. And so he's trying to very subtly through like conversational battle, you could say, get her to tell him her name so that he can write it in the death note before she gets to the police. Like it was not anything. I had not seen anything like it. Um, It took itself very seriously. It was interested in telling like a really good mystery. Um, And so that for me was kind of like, Oh, okay. Like things can be, things could be like really good. Right. Um, and the anime. So from there, I started watching like a lot of the classics. I watched Full Metal Alchemist and all of it. Oh yeah, it's not it's not that long. Oh, I've heard it's, I've heard it's, it's like not. a thousand episodes or something. Oh no no no, not at all. Um, way the the way worse. The decision I regret is for some reason, high school me watched all of Bleach. Ah. Even when it got, even when it got bad, <laughs> just kept on watching it. Um, I can't do Bleach because the the first couple seasons were so good. See, I wanted to watch Bleach because all of the like the kids who were in anime, the cool ones liked Bleach. Yeah, like the really like cringy, awkward kids liked Naruto, and then. You know, the if you were like the edgy, like cool kid, then you you either read or watched Bleach. Bleach and there was there was about. one other. Was it called Rampage or something like that? Um, that th- both just like super super gory, um, and very. Bleach wasn't that gory, but you might be thinking of Berserk. Berserk, yes, yeah. Which is uh, Berserk is incredible, and if you didn't know, Berserk is the number one inspiration behind Dark Souls. Interesting. Dark Souls and Demon Souls take so much stuff that is just might as well from be from Berserk. Wow, that's cool. And tragically, the creator of uh, Berserk passed away just a little little while ago. Um, yeah, I've, likely d- due to the strain of overwork because of how much work he put into that manga. Wow. But I've never been able to watch either of those because, like, I I just don't do super well with blood. And even though it's animated mm-hmm. for whatever reason, like the clips I've seen from them just make me not want to venture <laughs> in because there's just a whole lot of blood. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't watch the Berserk anime. Anyone who listens to this, <laughs> unless it's the unless it's the 90s anime, which is really hard to find. The newer one is just so bad. It is just a terrible, terrible adaptation of Berserk. And, uh, so yeah, I, I watched a lot of those shows and I watched like the, the big classic, um, like you need to watch this film. So like, I remember one of the coolest things I did, like the first week in college is I went to Alamo draft house and watched a screening of Akira on the big screen. Oh, cool. And uh, Akira is a fantastic film uh, that's set in like a kind of dystopian cyberpunky near future um, and is meant to be kind of an allegory for 
Japan trying to restore its cultural identity after World War II. Um, I watched the good Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli films because guess what? Not all of them are great <laughs> just because they're Studio Ghibli. But Princess Mononoke, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, which those films are just gorgeous. I could watch those. Yeah, they really are. I could watch those muted. And, uh, you know, so I watched a lot of that stuff and Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, which has just an incredibly unique art style and just sense of style in general from uh, Aki, the creator, who has this like obsession with like Western music and puts all these references to it in there. And, um, that, that Jojo's wild because it's like, it's a show that I could tell you like a massive spoiler and without the context, like it makes no sense because the story is just so wild. Hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I love that about it. It's just, it's incredibly unique. And it's gotten huge, like I said, Giorno's theme being, like, memed to death. The fact that the next chapter, Stone Ocean, is going to be uh, on Netflix, like, exclusively, wow. is insane to me. Because, I'm going to be real with you, Austin, I pirated a lot of anime. Because anime was a thing that was not easy to get your hands on yeah. for a long time. It was. You could get the big series, like Attack on Titan yeah, and you all could, those, but. Yeah, you could get the big, like, Shonen Jump series. But for smaller stuff, I remember, like, I had to watch, like, fan dubs that people uploaded or, fan, or like, fan translations because they weren't being translated in English. And the for some reason, like, the anime industry for the longest time before streaming would just gut you for money if you wanted to buy uh, episodes. Mm. So it'd be like, here's this like $50 DVD that has four, four or five episodes of bleach on it. Like, (laughs) and like that show has like 500 episodes. Like (laughs) it it, it was insane. And thankfully that I don't think there's any excuse to pirate anime now because not only are there series that get picked up, on Netflix and things like that. There's, you know, Crunchyroll yeah. and Funimation are like whole streaming services that are devoted to just streaming anime. And I kind of didn't watch anime for a while, but I've recently gotten back into watching it and catching up with series that people have recommended. And I have discovered that I also really like Slice of Life romance anime (laughs) interesting that's something i've never watched i really like the stories about the high school guy who's awkward (laughs) meeting like a bunch of girls that he suddenly clicks with and he has to figure out like which one he wants to you know commit to and and things like that and um i recently watched a show i can highly recommend called rent a girlfriend and you, it, you can highly recommend it. I can highly recommend okay. it. Yeah, it's All really right. good. So 
there is a there's a thing in Japan. This is also why I like anime because I I learn a lot about Japanese culture from from watching it. And there's a thing in Japan where people will rent dates for like, um, and it's not it's not like prostitution or anything like that. Like it's it's literally like to go on a date. And there's different reasons people do it. Sometimes people are lonely. A lot of the time, people will do it because they don't have social skills. And they're trying to like develop them, and so they'll take these girlfriends or boyfriends on dates, and we'll pay them like a money, and then we'll also be like, okay, so how do I have a conversation with you? And <laughs> they'll like coach <laughs> them through it. And uh, this show is like, it's really good. This this guy, as he's starting college, his the only girlfriend he's ever had like breaks up with him. And like he gets lonely, and in a moment of desperation, he uh, buys a rent-a-girlfriend for a night. And of course, she's like perfect and charming, and she's just the cutest girl ever. And he's like, "Oh man, that was amazing!" And he goes home and reads the reviews for her, and he's like, "What? She's like this with everyone." <laughs> <laughs> and so he rents her again to tell her off, and he does. And she like drags him into like a closet at the aquarium that they're at like a janitorial closet and just the cuteness like sweet just disappears and she's like chewing him out like what did you think this was <laughs> like what's your problem of course i'm like this with everyone this is my job and i'm good at it like <laughs> and she so was like ah well i guess that was a funny experience but then he goes to college and like of course like she's his neighbor at the apartment that he lives at mm -hmm. and his grandma's in the hospital and his grandma's in the same hospital as her grandma. And, you know, he's like a loser. So he keeps on telling everyone that this rented girlfriend is his girlfriend. So he has to keep on renting her to keep up appearances. And then his grandma gets invested and, you know, tells the 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 rent a girlfriend's grandmother oh our, our grandkids are going to be married and now we have to keep them together and he doesn't have the heart to tell his grandma it's all a lie but at the same time he's actually starting to fall in love with the rent a girlfriend all while his ex is trying to get back together with him and like it's like very contrived like rom-com kind of stuff mm -hmm. but it's just done really well and it's just really fun and i watched it on a recommendation and found myself like getting little little butterflies in my stomach every time the main character was was so close to admitting to Chizuru that he actually loved her and it wasn't just because she was a rented girlfriend you know um, i would uh, i would watch that on hallmark live action if you told me that premise so yeah yeah you know there's like a really sweet scene where she gets seasick on a ferry and like and falls overboard and he like jumps in the water to save her and and she's just like, oh, well, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't really be doing really well if your rent a girlfriend drowned. And he's just like, ah, but, but I love you. But I love you, though. Uh, it, it's really good. <laughs> and. Um, but other than that, I've been watching uh, My Hero Academia, which has been like really popular for a while, but I only recently started watching it. And I think it's really, really, really good. I don't think it's perfect, but it it's one of my favorite shows in a long time. Um, I still haven't watched it. I, I really probably should. I hear lots of great things it just about ticks, it. I haven't watched it anime just in a few years. 
it just ticks all the right boxes for me. You know, it's 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 something that I've seen before, which is like high school students go to a school for superheroes mm-hmm. to like train and develop their powers and stuff. But in this world, like eighty percent of people in the world have some sort of power called a quirk. Some of them like stronger than others. Um, so it's like it's this thing that's like super normal in society. Like heroes will work for the government, like for pay. And they have to be like licensed, and it's become like really like bureaucratic and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess why I like it is because you know. There, there was like a. I wish I could remember the name of the guy who did it because I would definitely credit him. But I once saw a like video essay on YouTube that talked about what you can do once a genre has started becoming stale, like in the popular consciousness. Yeah. Um, and he's like, you you can deconstruct it in like a few ways. You can deconstruct it and reveal the all the tropes and stuff that people have loved are like a lie so he uses the example of the movie chinatown it's like this really dark nihilistic deconstruction of detective movies with that movie you know spoiler ends with like the villain getting away and like the detective like his he's mentally broken and you know it's 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 doesn't end well, right? Mm-hmm. And it shows that like the hard boiled detective character is like a lie. It's like not a real thing. And he talks about you can also do something that's he called uh reaffirming the myth, which is that you deconstruct all these tropes in order to show that actually at its core the myth that this is trying to tell is actually true. Mm. And he uses the example of the movie Logan. Uh, the the film about old man Wolverine, mm-hmm. and it's like that movie deconstructs everything about the superhero genre. But in the end, the core message is like, no, there's something true about the idea of being a hero. Yeah, and My Hero Academia, I think, does that for superheroes as well, where it sets up this kind of world that you've seen before with like corporate superheroes and everything being really bureaucratic and formalized and some people only do it for money and some people only do it for fame and um and you've seen that in things like uh you see that a little bit something like watchmen you see it in the boys but this i think in the end through the story of the main character is reaffirming like the myth of superheroes and like why they're why they can be such powerful like inspirations for lots of people Mm -hmm. and so i've really really been enjoying that and yeah also it's just all the characters are really fun you know froppy is best girl for sure she's got like frog powers she's super cute she's the emotional support for everyone keeps them together did you say ballet Um, frog is that what you said no (laughs) she has frog powers that's like she could do basically anything a frog can do, but not so. ballet. But not ballet. <laughs> I don't know I how didn't I say heard ballet. that. <laughs> I don't know how you heard that either. Very specific. So, I was wondering what kind of like your relationship to anime was, Austin, yeah. and if there are any shows that you were that really stuck out to you. Sure. Um, 
So I don't know about the point that I recognized it as a separate thing, but um, I do know that I watched Studio Ghibli stuff from a very young age. Um, specifically, yeah, like Spirit, Spirited Away, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Spirited Away a lot. I remember watching that a lot, but um, and I liked those movies a lot. But I think that I just thought of them as another, you know, cartoon movie. And I don't, I don't remember where I made the distinction, like you talked about. Um, but the, but they were kind of always present. So I also obviously nobody would be surprised when I say that I watched you know Pokemon and Yu Gi Oh and all that. Um, I developed a taste for the stranger and funnier ones. I would say. Um, so when I was in middle school, there was a show called Zatch Bell. Did you ever see it? Oh, I know about Zatch Bell. <laughs> I never watched it. I just thought it looked goofy. It is the goofiest <laughs> thing. I mean, it's the same kind of like um, Pokemon or Digimon style story where it's like, you know, there's the people adventuring and they have a little sidekick. Um, in Zatch Bell, it's these puppets and the puppets are, you know, they are self-con or they, they have consciousness and have powers and stuff and the people make their puppets fight each other and some people don't, you know, care about if their puppet lives or die. It, it, anyway, it's the whole thing. But the show itself is just so goofy. It is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I loved it because it was so silly. Um, it made me laugh a lot. Um, so, yeah, I watched I watched all of those when I was younger. Um, and then when I got to high school, I would say near the end of high school, I started watching all of the, like, more popular ones at the time. Um, so there was, um, what was, what's the video game one where he goes in sword art online. Yes. Yeah, sword art online was, was huge. So I, dude, that was the anime that made me realize anime could be bad. Yeah. <laughs> sword out online. Uh, I love like the first like six episodes of that show. And then it just goes so hard downhill for that me. That was kind of my experience too. And then I gave the, uh, the second season a try. Um, and I didn't make it past the first episode. Like I, I quit in the middle of it. Um, <laughs> that's pretty bad, but I mean, it was a, it was a cool premise, it, yeah. you know? Um, mm -hmm. yeah. anyway, so yeah, that was huge. I watched that. I also watched attack on Titan cause that was huge at the time. Um, Oh, it's still huge, dude. It, the final season is airing and I, I would tell you like as someone who's, relatively kept up with it attack on titan is genuinely like one of the best tv shows made in the last 10 years it's the one that i tell it people if they're skeptical about anime um I, I tell them to try that one out because it isn't really like what you think of you know it it's incredible it's so good yeah it's, it's pretty cool i mean it's it's strange you got to get past the weird you know giants weird naked giant eating people thing um well like but the, the thing about Attack on Titan that's amazing is every time it has set up a mystery, when it div gives you the answer, I have never been unsatisfied with the answer. Mm. Like, the answer has always been, that's that's incredible. Like, I did not see that coming, or wow, that, like, changes things significantly. Like... If you remember, like, for years, everyone wanted to know, like, what was in the basement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, like in the very first episode, it sets up this mystery that like Aaron, when he's little, his parents have a basement and it's like locked up. He's not supposed to go in there. And there's something like really secretive, really important there. And when the Titans attack, 
like he has to leave his child at home and everyone wonders like what's in the basement you find out what's in the basement and it does not disappoint <laughs> it's like wow that is amazing that is that is the best thing that could have been in the basement sorry that's a tangent attack on titan is just genuinely really 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 good yeah you should, you should try it out <laughs> I, th I think it's a good entry point um I would say my love of the silly ones kind of reemerged in One Punch Man. One Punch Man's great, dude. It's, um, it's <laughs> incredible. So the the concept of this for those who are listening, if you've not heard of it, is that there's um, there are heroes again. Um, it's another world where there are heroes, and there is this one guy wh whose whole thing is that he can kill anything with one punch. Um, and everyone's like, "How do you yeah. do it?" And he his answer is, "I have a strict regiment of a hundred push-ups and a hundred sit-ups every day." <laughs> yeah, and he runs like five miles or something like it's that. It's just like I mean, it, it's just kind of a totally mundane answer, and it's obviously not why he can actually do this. But it's a very you'd think with this concept, like it wouldn't be entertaining. Like, well, well any fight's going to end with one punch, but it is. It's so good, and it's very funny. Mm -hmm. Like the other heroes are having like an existential crisis because. He's so powerful, but he's having an existential crisis because he's kind of depressed that he always beats everything with one punch. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> it's really, really good. He, like, wants to find the hardest enemy or whatever. Um, also, mm. the art is very good. The, the, they did such a good job designing this guy because he just looks so ridiculous. He's completely bald and wears this silly yellow suit. Um, and he just looks very yeah, lame, you could, but he's so powerful. You could dress as this guy, like, cosplay style for, like, $5. Yeah, <laughs> very, very simple. Um, let's see. And then, you know, um, there is... So this is something that's interesting to me because when you think of anime, you think of, like, a very distinct art style. Um but in recent years, there have been some more like um, 3D rendered CGI type movies in, in the anime world. Mm -hmm. um, and I have liked a few of those. The ones that I've watched have all been um, sort of in the sci-fi genre. Um, so there were a couple Godzilla movies. Um, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And they're, they're pretty good. And, and again, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a more, it's, it doesn't look drawn. You know, like when you think of anime, you may think of like, well, this could have been hand-drawn, you know. It doesn't look that way. Mm -hmm. um, it's more, more, uh, more rendered um, and looks kind of cool. There's also a movie called Space Pirate Captain Harlock that I really liked. Oh, yeah. That's, I haven't watched it, but Car Captain Harlock's like a whole thing in Japan. Yeah. Um, so there was, I, I think that was made in conjunction with a netflix studio that movie um but i'm not certain but it was available on netflix when i watched it um and there are a couple others that i can't remember oh and i would say the thing that i um the most like typical anime that i have enjoyed um the most is fairy tale i never watched it but um, i had some friends that were really really into it i was yeah i, mean, I was still trying to be like i was still in that phase of life when everybody was watching fairy tale where i only wanted to watch like artsy things so while they were watching right. fairy tale i was watching like ghost in the shell and things like that yeah and it's it is very it's it's all the tropes like it is it is very just anime but it, it's good and uh and it's you know lighthearted and meaningful at times but it, it's good um, I also, this, I guess this was in like the beginning of 2020. I watched nearly all of Naruto. I didn't make it all the way through it, but I had never done it before. Um, and that show is pretty good. 
Did you ever watch Cowboy Bebop? No, I never did. I really need to. I oh, listen gosh. to the soundtrack a lot. Dude, that one blew my mind. Uh, I think Cowboy Bebop is also a really good recommendation for people who are skeptical of anime. Um, because it's like just this really stylish, sleek, space western <laughs> about bounty hunters in the future. And I remember like watching that one just because I had heard the name like recommended a lot, you know, and it, it opens like with the main character. It starts in media Ray, like with the main character, Spike Siegel, spikes, Spike Spiegel looking like he's like at the end of his rope about to die. Like this old church, you know, there's gunfire everywhere. He's trying to survive. And it cuts to like that amazing because Cowboy Bebop has an amazing jazz soundtrack. So good uh, throughout the whole thing, and you know you just hear that voiceover as the credits going. All right, everyone, it's time to blow this joint. Everybody, get your stuff together. Three, two, one, let's jam. It's like I was like, ah, oh, it's amazing. <laughs> and um, from the same creator. The show Samurai Champloo, mm, yeah, I also loved, which is just, if Cowboy Bebop is like sci-fi jazz is like the main aesthetic, like Samurai Champloo is samurai hip-hop. It's like, <laughs> and it's also like incredible, really, really good stuff. Um, but we could probably go back and forth with recommendations for a while. But kind of to wrap up, I just wanted to talk about how much it is blowing my mind. The anime is kind of like it's really close to being just like a mainstream thing now. Yeah, because there is just the access to it is so much better than ever used to be. And I remember like the meme used to be don't ever watch anime dubbed. Uh, And for those of you who aren't familiar, dubbed versus subbed just means are you going to watch it translated with subtitles or redubbed over with people saying the lines or an approximation of the lines in English? And the argument of dubbed versus subbed, it used, it, it used to genuinely be like always watch it subbed because there were, yeah. there were no good dubs, but like anything I would say past like the year, like 2005, the dubs are like really good now. So if you're someone who doesn't want to read subtitles while you watch, or maybe that's even difficult for you. Cause like there are some people like if you're dyslexic or, you know, things like that and it can be really hard, you know, or you have, you know, ADD or something. I know some of my friends who deal with that have trouble focusing on like reading while also trying to like watch what's going on. The dubs are really good now. Like, they're genuinely really good. They're getting really good voice actors who do great jobs. Um, Cowboy Bebop has an incredible dub, and it was one of the first ones that people were like, this dub's really good. Um, Neon Genesis Evangelion, especially the, the rebuilds, have really good dubs. And Ava, I might have to honestly have a whole episode sometime just talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion. Cause that might be one of the most influential pieces of media ever. So if you've ever been curious about anime, like it is so much easier 
to get into it than when I was young. And it was easier when I was young than like even older than that. I've listened to a podcast called the trash taste podcast. That's hosted by these three guys who live in Japan who have worked like in the anime industry and like cover it. And one guy's like a voice actor and they had a guy on as a guest who's actually an American, uh, an American guy who is a, uh, a champion in like the Japanese drift racing scene. But he talked about getting an anime when he was a kid, like in the eighties and he had to get like bootleg VHS tapes <laughs> that didn't have subtitles and weren't dubbed. And he had to download uh, or he had to go to the library and print off a fan translation of the script and try to read the script like on a on physically paper. on a piece of paper while, he's while watching. watching this bootleg VHS of like Evangelion That's awesome. in like 93. <laughs> like, so it's come a long way yeah. in terms of being accessible. So if you've been curious now is, you know, there's been no better time than now you can even watch stuff on Crunchyroll for free with ads mm-hmm. if you want to uh, check some stuff out. And I think in the future, I'll cover a couple of specific animes on this podcast that I think are incredible. I definitely will cover One Piece. So I'm like a little over 100 episodes into that because it's super long. That one does have a lot. Uh, yes. And... Um, the reason I want to talk about it specifically with you, Austin, is you know that I wouldn't make this statement lightly. I think the only person who has put more has put an I would say an equal amount of time and care and love into world building in their fiction as much as the creator of One Piece is like probably Tolkien like I would put them side by side in terms of their love and devotion to the integrity and like cohesion of the fictional worlds they've created wow that is just about the highest recommendation you could have given to me like Ichiro Oda they're not even they're not playing with the same like themes like at all Mm -hmm. or the same styles of fiction right but the world building is so tight in one piece it really does remind me of lord of the rings wow. <laughs> like, and i'll have to talk about that at a future time but yeah if you've ever been dismissive of anime like me i was somebody who is dismissive and probably kind of a jerk to some people who really liked anime so apologies for that now is a great time to see if something changes your mind mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah shall we go I to a break we should I think we should. Cool, 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 cool. Here we are in the break. Um, got a couple of the regular break stuff that we can talk about. Uh, one, um, thanks for listening. Really appreciate you. Um, if you'd like to engage with us, um, as always, feel free to reach out on Twitter at cfixatedpod. Um and we will respond in five to 14 business days. <laughs> <laughs> Probably even sooner. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, big thanks to fellow American for the use of our theme song Island off of the album. Hold your breath. Um, hey, you got it right. That, that time. Yeah, really. That was smooth. 
smooth as it's been in a mm-hmm. while. Um, thanks, fellas. Probably would have been even smoother if I didn't point it out. But. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, and uh, you know what? I'm going to mention it. So last episode of the one before, I said something about um, moving to a different recording time to maintain a more regular schedule, and that hasn't happened. Um, and I'm not going to make any commitments now about trying to do that. But, uh, yeah, things have just mm-hmm. been kind of crazy for me and Michael. So we'll do it when we, when we I can. I think things will become abundantly more consistent. This is my hope after a few weeks from now. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully so. Um, Well, shall we get back into it? Well, I have an announcement. (gasps) You do? I'm sorry. I should not have. Yeah. I, I, I shouldn't have assumed. What's your announcement? So in honor of Spooktober and... I'd like to add, I am very happy with the recent trend of spook timber because if the people who are obsessed with Christmas get two whole freaking months to sing their Christmas songs, I should get two whole months for my spooky ghost stories and horror movies. <laughs> I will be covering exclusively horror related slash chronically unexplained topics for the next few episodes. That's so exciting. Just to give people some extra spooky stuff. I have a couple ideas, some more chronically unexplained unsolved mystery type stuff, but also talking about horror related stuff like might want to do an episode about HP Lovecraft and actually on the topic of Japan and anime and manga, maybe an episode about Junji Ito, who's a fantastic horror manga writer and artist um, who's a little just a cutie little cutie ball of sunshine in real life who's actually afraid of everything. But (laughs) art and stuff is incredible so yeah look forward to some of those things uh might talk to you austin about if i have the time maybe recording like some bonus episodes just on my end sure uh little just little things of me like reading some horror short stories or something yeah that'd be cool um but even if that doesn't come through expect extra spookiness for you so if, if you want something while you're on your way to work or studying that'll help get you in the mood for the holidays, uh, you know, of Halloween. I will be here to provide it for you. Are you going to put together that movie list that you mentioned before? Oh yeah. And I'll send you, I'll add you to the mailing list. Cool. (laughs) I might, I might tweet it. You said it, it, you put together like a little, little PDF looking thing, right? Yeah. And it, it would have a movie, the uh, brief description that I write and also, I include a rating on overall, like how scary it is and whether or not like it's something that's really gory. Cool. So I might, I might if tweet you wanna, out that image if that's all right, whenever it comes through. Yeah. Cool. And if you want to avoid anything that's like too like psychological horror or if you, if you don't do well with blood or whatever, or if that's something you don't want to watch, then I provide the list so that you can just skip that, watch something else. So cool. So, um, great announcement. It's actually very exciting um, because I'm getting a little spooky this episode. Shall we get back into it? Oh, dang. Oh, I'm excited. Let's go. All right. Cool. Here we are after the break. So, I haven't done anything um, chronically unexplained, and I'm not sure that what I'm going to talk about specifically falls into that category. But currently in the news, there are 
two very, very interesting missing, missing persons cases. Um, I think I may have heard of one of them, but I'm going to let you finish. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I've been thinking about them and reading about them. So I thought that I would just talk about them a little bit. Um, oh, cool. The first of them uh, is the one that probably could fall into the chronically unexplained category. Um, so grab your popcorn and your tinfoil hats and here we go. Um, so in 1991 in rural Romania, a, uh, a cattle dealer, um, goes on a routine trip. He goes on trips, you know, every couple of months to try and make deals selling his cows, right? Goes on a routine trip and never returns to his family. Um, so he's like a like a rancher type person. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's either a rancher or like a broker for a rancher, if that makes sense. Um, okay. But um, it, it the things I've read haven't gone into too specific about that. But he's that's that's his trade. Um, that's that's where he works. Um, so that was in 1991. Thirty years later, um, a couple weeks ago, a car stops in front of his family's home and drops him off. He can't remember where he's been for the last 30 years, and he is wearing the same clothes as the day he left. Whoa. In his pocket is a uh, train ticket for the day he left. Um, so this... And, is, like, the, is the stub, like, intact and, intact and everything? Uh, yes. Unused. Oh. That's wild. Um, and he looks healthy, uh, he's old, but he looks healthy for his age. He's been taken care of and has no idea what had happened to him. So this is the um, the tale of Mr. Gorgos. And there's not a lot of details about this at this point. Um, we're still trying to figure stuff out. And because it's in um, Romania, a lot of the news articles about it are not in a language I can read. So the stuff that I have access to is just stuff that other people have translated. Um, so Ooh, it's kind of okay. like a, an ongoing thing right now though. Um, so there's not a, a ton of information about it, but I'm so interested in it because of the details of his clothes. So the, the story, um, is basically, I mean, I, I tried to tell it in a quick format before, but it's, you know, that basically was the entire story. He was 63 years old, 30 years ago when he vanished. Um, and so he lived in the countryside and often went on business trips. Um, and one day he left, the family thought it was fine. He said he was going to be gone for a few days. After he didn't come back, the family reported him missing, but nobody ever found anything. And um, after, you know, a few months, they essentially assumed him dead and held a memorial service and sort of closed that chapter of their lives. Um, but then in last month, in August, near the end of August, um, they dropped him off. He's now 93. Um and everyone who witnessed it was kind of too shocked to actually look at any of the details. So we don't know who dropped mm -hmm. him off. We, nobody got the license plate of the car or anything like that. Um, they just dropped him off and he just walked into his home. Um, and yeah, so he's wearing the same clothes. He had his, his ID from 30 years ago, his like license or whatever they have in Romania. Um, and the train ticket. Um, he was clean shaven, looked great, been taken care of. Um, and the only health issues seem to be neurological. So he remembers his, his family, um, but is genuinely clueless about the last 30 years. Hmm. 
when uh, reporters have asked him where he was, his answer has been, I've been home. Um, that is essentially all the details as they are available currently. Um, what do you think so far? Yeah, um, I, I think we should probably scan that guy's brain like pretty extensively because, I mean, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I feel like losing that much time is not common. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, especially if you're still able to remember your family, because like, I feel like with things like dementia and Alzheimer's, um, if that was what was going on here, he probably wouldn't be able to remember all of that with such clarity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking the same thing. Seems like really selective loss if he's able to remember his family from 30 years ago, but nothing in between. Um, Mm -hmm. so there are some theories, um, sort of the most prevalent one that I've seen online. Uh, people are saying that, you know, 30 years ago he left intentionally to go live with another family that he had, um, that, you know, on his travels, he had eventually, he had at some point met up with someone, you know, fallen in love, had kids or something. And now he has two families and he has to make a choice. And so he chose them. Um, and then 30 years down the line, he has, you know, dementia or whatever. And the, this new second family doesn't want to deal with it. And so they just drop him off at his old home and let them deal with it. Um, that's kind of the most common answer so far that people have been giving, but that does nothing to explain the fact that he was wearing the same clothes and had his, uh, his train ticket and his ID and everything from that day. Or neurological damage, you know, like, because I feel like this is operating under the presumption that he's, faking amnesia or something but well so there are people who think that that he's just lying but there are other people who think that um he does have some sort of like more progressed dementia and so Mm -hmm. he's not faking but whoever dropped him off just didn't want to deal with it anymore and they knew that he had another family so they just decided to you know it's like like leaving a baby on a on a fire station's doorstep you know okay Um, but yeah, that's really for me, the thing, the thing that is most, um, most interesting is the clothes. Um, and you know, you just got to wonder, was it aliens? You know, (laughs) I don't know. What did the car look like? (laughs) Did it look like an alien car? You know, and a lot of other people have been sharing similar experiences. This person had a comment. Um, when their dad was growing up, he had an uncle who left on Thanksgiving to go get bread and cigarettes from the gas station. He never showed back up. He walked through the door 25 years later on Thanksgiving with a loaf of bread and cigarettes. He refused where he'd been for the past 25 years. Wow. And there have been a whole bunch of other people with similar stories. Um, one said that, uh, they had a family member who went missing Um, he was a Chinese immigrant in Toronto. Um, no trace of where he went 30 years later. Uh, he gets dropped off back at their house this time with dementia confirmed. Um, and he had just been living in China that entire time. Um, so that one has more of an explanation, but apparently these sort of things happen where someone disappears and then shows up. Um, you know, and that, that Thanksgiving one, I feel like is more, 
more related to this one because it's like yeah the similar details you know the leaving to get the things and the coming back with the things on the same day was the bread expired <laughs> good question <laughs> i want to see the bread it, release the bread was it sliced <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's really interesting to me i've been thinking about it a lot um there are you know several options there's also the 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 walter white option like um Mm-hmm. if he's been a criminal this whole time and decided it's time to go home. And so he, you know, faked a, a fugue state. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really strange to me that like, I feel like somebody is not sharing what they know. Right. Whether it's this guy or if it's like his family, like somebody must know more than what they're letting on. And other than, Oh, he was dropped off and I didn't really see the car or like what model it was or the license plate or like that seems kind of suspicious to me. Yeah. And so the thing, the thing to me is like, if there is an easy explanation, it'll come out soon because apparently this is getting a ton of airtime in Romania. Oh, really? Um, so like if he had a second life, someone's going to see him on the news and come forward and explain it, you know? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, But that hasn't happened yet, and it's been, you know, two or three weeks now um, of near constant this dude's face on the news. So, like, why is no one talking, you know? Because the, the other thing that, you know, you'd have to consider is that this person dropping him off may not have known this guy at all. Like, they may have just seen an old guy who looked confused. Yeah. And, you know, he, if all he could remember was his family, then he was like, oh, I live here. And so this, like, random, like, nice person just dropped the guy off at his house. Right. And that's why you haven't heard anything from them is because they didn't realize, like, it would be a big deal. And maybe they haven't come forward to talk about it because they're you know, worried they'll be in trouble or something just for giving this old guy like a ride home. Yeah. Yeah. They they give him a ride and then get to their house, flip on the TV and see the news that the dude they gave a ride to has been missing for 30 years. Like this is not mm -hmm. what I signed up for. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's like, I just, I just wish like we just, they really need to talk to whoever was in the car. Cause it's where did they, where was this guy found? Right. Cause if this guy, if, if it wasn't, you know, someone who knew him who was dropping him off, you know, how did they find this guy? Right. Because we haven't ruled out aliens, Austin. I haven't. I certainly have not. (laughs) It's like, if they found this guy, like, oh, I found him, like, in a random field, like, scorch marks on the ground. He was confused. Yeah. I just took him home. (laughs) Like, it's like, okay, well, aliens. But until then... I mean, they've got to be able to track down this car. I, I do just find it kind of suspicious that the family, this guy's family, is not commenting, doesn't have more information about the circumstances under which he was dropped off. Like, well, Yeah, <laughs> what they weird. have said is that it was just like, they were overcome with surprise, you know? Like, just totally bewildered that's, at the situation. Yeah. Um, and like, that's fair, but... Also, it is kind of weird that the guy dropping 
off um, the you know the old man if they were like just a random stranger I don't know about you but I would probably like you know go to the door be like hey like does this guy live here you know he's right confused he's saying this is his home because if I saw like a confused old person that maybe they had dementia or, or something or were sort of acting like that and they're like oh I live here I would probably make sure that they actually still live there and not like they lived there in the past. And now they're trespassing, know? right? Yeah, yeah, you know, and from what I've seen, the car basically like pulled up, he got out, and then it drove away, like a pretty quick little drop off. So mm. I feel like the chances of it being a stranger are kind of slim, honestly. Yeah, it's fair. Unless it was like someone who was instructed, you know, like, Hey, take this guy, drop him off. Don't talk to anyone. That sort of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely does feel a little weird. Yeah. So that one, that one to me is, fits more in the chronically unexplained category because like, I, there's just some weird, weird, weird details. Um, this second story, which may have been the one you heard about is, uh, it's more of a true crime situation. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an ongoing case. So, um, you know, if you know anything, I guess. And if I'm the first person you hear it from, there's an FBI tip line. So, um, <laughs> you can look it up. I'm not going to give you that on this podcast, but, um, yeah. So this is the story <laughs> of Gabby Petito, who is actually a van life blogger. Um, Oh dang. Yeah. Who has gone missing um, after a trip with her boyfriend, former fiance. And um, here are the circumstances of this case. Is this the one you heard about, Michael? I think so. I think I did. I don't know a whole lot of details about it, though. Okay. Um, So here's the situation. In um, June, Gabby and her boyfriend, whose name is Brian decided to go on a road trip. So she had a van that she had fitted out to live in a van life van and they lived in Florida together. They decided they were going to travel the country all the way to the West coast and kind of stop at the national parks along the way. Um, and so in June they left Florida to start doing this. Uh, she started a YouTube channel and was regularly posting on Instagram as well as to YouTube apparently. Um, about sort of their their journey so far and the places they had stopped. Um, and she kept in really constant contact with their family and her friends as well. Um, so I guess we've got two months where they are just doing this and there's no problems because um, they started in June. But on August 12th um, in Moab, Utah, the police had an encounter with the two um, because apparently they were having uh, some sort of altercation and someone had called the police on them. Um, and so there's there's dash cam footage of this. The police come. They kind of calm them down. Um, apparently an argument had turned into a bit of a physical fight, but ultimately the police decided that it boiled down to a mental health issue. Um, they kind of calmed them down and encouraged them to sleep separately for the night to not both stay in the van. So one of them got a hotel um, and that was that nobody pressed any charges because the two people involved, you know, what they said was we love each other. We don't want to, you know, don't want to press charges. Don't want to have any, any, you know, criminal stuff related to this because it's fine. It was just, mm-hmm. a, it was just a short argument. We love each other. It's fine. So nothing more came of that. Um, but 
in the last week of August, uh, Gabby's family received a text from her that said, we're in Nevada. Um, there's not very great cell service here and you might not hear from me a couple days for, for a couple days. And that's the last communication from Gabby that has happened. So she was posting regularly. They were having all of these stories. Um, and then there's one last text and then, um, silence September 1st, Brian arrives home with Gabby's van. Gabby is not in it and he will not talk to anyone about where she is. Um, Hmm. When any investigator, reporter, um, anyone has tried to talk to Brian, he has essentially given them the card to his attorney um, and is refusing to speak. So the van has been processed. Apparently there's some material in there that they're investigating. Um, and so that was September 1st. On September 11th, uh, the family, Gabby's family, finally reported her missing. Um Honestly, the timeline is is looking pretty dire at this point uh, because he arrived yeah. home on the first. We've got a ten day gap before she got reported missing, and who knows how long it took for him to get home from wherever, um, wherever she may be. In case anyone listening is ever in this situation, you do not have to wait twenty four hours to report a missing person. Please don't wait that long. Yeah, please, please don't. It is. So much better if you report it as soon as you realize that something's not right. Uh, that is like a super common myth. Just report as soon as possible if you have good reason to believe that somebody is missing. So, Yes. Um, so now we are here. Yesterday there was a pre- press conference where her family urged Brian to share details. Um, they said, please, if you or your family have any decency left, please tell us where Gabby is located. Tell us if we are even looking in the right place. All we want is for Gabby to come home. Please help us make that happen. Um, there are search parties going constantly. The FBI is involved. Like I said, there's a tip line. And what's really difficult is that like, even though they know the general area, um, basically the search zone is every national park in Nevada. So this is Austin from the future, um, the editing Austin. I am editing this uh, kind of late Sunday night, um, intending to upload it tomorrow morning. Um, and we had recorded this a few days ago at this point. And since then, uh, the story has progressed significantly. So rather than um, uploading the rest of this segment, which is now kind of um, outdated for one and also not necessarily in bad taste, but you know, it's just a lot of speculation about how the story may play out. Um, at this point the the story has played out. And so I thought I would just sort of update this, uh, with the current timeline, um, and kind of wrap things up a little bit quicker rather than, uh, finishing it out with, you know, another 20 minutes of me and Michael musing about the outdated details of the case. Um, so Since the time that Michael and I recorded, the story really exploded um, due in large part to a lot of folks on TikTok and other social media kind of banding together to try and figure out um, what happened to Gabby. So they, uh, you know, did a deep dive on her Instagram posts. They used her other social media. She had used a a trail tracking app for, for when she went on hikes, stuff like that to try and figure out her exact movements and uh, what the area that she would most likely be in um, actually was. Um, so the the story went 
pretty viral, um, got a whole lot of attention. And then, um, I believe it was late Friday night. Um, Brian went missing her boyfriend, Gabby's boyfriend. So, um, he was declared a missing person. Um, and people started searching for him. Um, fast forward a little bit, a lot more stuff was found out by all of the, all the, the folks on, on TikTok. Um, they really kind of did a lot of problem solving. And tonight, just a few hours ago, um, they found some human remains inside of the search area, um, that match the description of Gabby. Um, so while it's not a total confirmation, they have basically confirmed that they found Gabby. So once that is officially confirmed, um, obviously this will no longer be a missing persons case and will change into a full on investigation into her death. At this point, Brian's still missing. So, um, the search is continuing for him. Hopefully when they find him, um, some answers will also be found, which can bring, um, these families some closure. I think this is where I'm going to allow my commentary on this subject to come to an end. Um, while it was incredibly interesting to me, um, throughout this week and to a lot of people, um, I, I don't really want to dedicate a lot of time to, again, speculating about it right now as it is an incredibly tragic situation. Um, and there are a lot of sources where you can go for that if you'd like to, um, it's still all over the news. I think this is going to be a story that uh, is around for a while, um, in the public consciousness. So you know, you, if you're interested in it, keep looking out. Um, one thing I will say, this provides a really interesting sort of case study into the effects that, um, social media can have on a situation like this. Um, in the past we've seen things, uh, where, you know, the people on social media essentially become a collective uh, sort of detective hive mind, uh, trying to solve a case. And I think what that usually ends up looking like is, um, they find the clues that point towards who actually committed a crime or something like that. Um, what I think is interesting and sort of different about this situation is that, um, while there was some of that, um, sort of looking for clues, um, to solve the crime, so to speak, a lot more energy, at least what I saw was dedicated toward actually finding cabbie. Um, and that ultimately was successful. The, uh, Gabby's family's lawyer released a statement saying, you know, thank you to all of you who have been looking into this on social media, because without you, we probably would not have found her at this point. I do think that's very interesting, but, um, yep, that's where I'm going to, uh, stop talking about this. Um, I do thank you all for listening. Um, and Michael does too, even though he's not here anymore. Um, I would have called him back on, but it was just kind of late and I wanted to, to finish this out. So, uh, we will uh, see you again next time we record. Uh, uh, Michael will probably tell you to stay hydrated, and I would say yes, do that, and then we would both say bye. Take me from my-